0: Adria Castellucci is our guest this week. Recently, she was a panelist at the union's 2022 Women's Conference, discussing the subject of insecure work. Adria specifically addressed the influx of temporary contracts employed in the state system. Here is an excerpt from the panel.
1: I'm Adria Castellucci. I'm speaking today on behalf of the cultural institutions. The biggest issue that plagues the cultural institutions is actually temporary contracts. Most of these roles should be permanent. They're operational roles that have ongoing work attached to them. The problem is because there's chronic underfunding and under-resourcing for operational resourcing. It results in people being strung along with back-to-back contracts and eventually, when people do have a bar of it and leave, there's no succession planning because two things happen. One is that someone might be a very long-term contract role who has a lot of institutional knowledge, but gets sick of it and finds a permanent job somewhere else and leaves. But the other reason is that eventually for some of these roles, it seems like often it's chronic temporary contracts and it can just go on forever, but sometimes the funding does run out.
0: Adria, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Regarding the casualisation of the state system, what does this influx of temporary contracts on the workforce do to an employee's mental health?
2: Well, Jim, it's terrible, I think, for um, workers' mental health. Um, Firstly, there's the instability of not knowing uh, when you'll have work or knowing how long your contracts are going to last for. Obviously, that has an impact on people's financial security, their housing security. Along with that, there's also the um, pressure having to sort of constantly reprove yourself or feel like if you're going to get that extension on your contract, you need to be working above and beyond what people usually usually are capable of. It means trying to sort of always give 100%, which we know is not exactly something that everyone is has the capacity to do or should have the capacity to do is to give 100% every day. I think the other thing that happens is that your mental energy really gets used up not knowing whether you're going to have another contract or through that feeling of proving yourself or even when you have to do a handover regularly every six months because you're not sure if your contract is going to come through the next week, that um, can be incredibly stressful. And not only is it does it impact on your mental health, but it also impacts on your work because that's time that you could be spending um, doing something that's a lot more productive, especially if it does turn out that the next week your contract comes through and all of that work you did, ended up being for nothing.
0: Now, for people who are on temporary contracts, what are some of the tactics that get used by employers to prolong this temporary contract arrangement?
2: So some of the things that employers can do, obviously, when you're supposed to, when you're on a contract, temporary contract, so there are laws that after you've been on temporary contracts for a certain amount of time, that position is supposed to convert to permanent. But often we see that that's not the case across the public sector and that's because employers can use a range of different tactics. So one of them is just putting breaks in between your contracts. So that way, if you've spent a few weeks or a couple of months away, then that means that they don't have to say you're in continuous employment in the same role. One other thing that uh, can also happen is that they can use justifications like the salary cap that um, institutions have on resourcing and employment to Say that they can't pay you as a temporary contract, on a temporary contract as an internal staff member, but can move you onto an independent contractor status.
0: Now, why is this process in existence at all? Is it, is it purely financial or why do they go to the efforts to maintain temporary contracts at a basic level and how can this overall systemic problem be resolved?
2: So I'm not an expert on this, but just from my own experience as a delegate and as a public sector worker, I think that I can identify two key things. Obviously, an economist or a policy person might be able to identify others. But uh, one of those things is the there are the Reliance and CapEx Cap- Cap- funding capital expenditure versus OPEX, which is operational funding, a lot of the time public institutions really struggle to get um, OPEX funding, whereas there is an abundance of capital OPEX funding. So what that means is that um, on paper in an organisational tree, there may only be one staff member or two staff members, for example, in a branch that really requires, say, five or six people to operate it. So What institutions will do is use capital expenditure funding to fund short-term projects that have some sort of end goal that's supposed to build up the capital value of the institution, but often those roles are a bit grey and people end up doing a lot of operational work anyway. The other thing that I've, I've... seen or heard of, anecdotally, is that sometimes employers are scared of employing the wrong person in a permanent role, that they almost want to, they, they're trying this try-before-you-buy method, which is really unfair on workers. Firstly, that's what we have a um, probation period for, mm. is that you have that time period in which a worker can test themselves. But also, it means that a lot of the time, from my perspective at least, institutions are... Uh, getting to use the worker and their labour and their resources and their expertise, but without giving them any security in return.
0: And what do you think is the best way that can, that? I mean, obviously, as you've just mentioned, there are safeguards in, in place already that really should be utilised, but what's 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 the Adria uh, response to solving <laughs> this, the Adria Castellucci response to this?
2: <laughs> so, I mean, I, I've hopped on the CapEx, OpEx, Issue a bit, but I really do think for our state institutions to work day to day, they need strong operational funding. So that would be the first thing. I think there also needs to be more transparency about these funding streams, both internally within organisations and externally for the public, about how many people are funded through operational funding and how many are funded through capital expenditure how many people are on temporary contracts. There really needs to be pressure on organisations to give occupancy reports and make their numbers transparent. And one more thing I'd say as well is that I think there needs to be more public education on how prevalent insecure work is in the public sector. Um, There's, I think, a stereotype that once you work in the public sector, you've got this cushy job and, you know, You'll you'll be in it for 50 years and you'll get a great pension. And I think that the public needs to know there is a real reliance on insecure work across the public sector and that these roles aren't um, as reliable as they used to be. That was also part of why I think the Women's Conference was so fantastic is that even within the public sector, it was so great to hear that there are other industries that you don't expect, for example... The, um over-reliance by school administrators on temporary contracts. I had no idea of that and I think a lot of people didn't realise when I was speaking how much the cultural institutions rely on temporary employment. So I think more opportunities, especially made by the PSA for delegates to come together and share those stories would be really powerful.
0: Protect yourself at work. Call the PSA today on 1300 772 679 or head to psa.asn.au